0: If you put something online, you'll never, ever be able to remove it. I'm sure if you guys have heard this uh, saying many times, and it is absolutely true. And today, Amit and I, we want to talk about a term called digital immortality and how this term looks at all the different ways your data and your content are sort of digitally stored, whether you like it or not, and what effects does it have on the user, consumer who's consuming the content and the user who's uploading the content. We're gonna talk about all of these. Uh, thanks thanks, guys for joining us today in our podcast. So yeah, that's, um, you know, digital immortality means that, and a whole lot more, which we're gonna to cover today. So Amit, thank you for coming up with this topic. I'm actually quite interested to talk about it and explore all the different things that this term means. Um, what, it, what does it mean to you? Uh, tell us about digital immor- immortality. So thanks, Renath. I think uh, that
1: was a, a good introduction. I mean, I didn't think about uh, the content aspect because when I was, uh, I actually saw a video about uh, a person who had died and uh, they used the services of a company to scan their whole body. And uh, their uh, their family members could come and talk to that digital version. Uh, And they recorded the person's voice as well. Um, And uh, this was a very specific scenario. But this is now a service that is now being offered to customers. So you pay for it. They scan your whole thing. They record your voice. And someone can talk uh, to you. And you can respond back to them even after you're dead. So that's what I meant by digital immortality. But I think you also put a very interesting aspect to it as to the content part. So anything that we create is online. So all our photos, all our videos, all our text messages or chat messages that we have posted on different forums—they are all online. So in a way, even though you're dead or you are you have um, you're deceased or 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 maybe you are. Uh, in a comatose uh, uh, state, you are still uh, active on the internet.
0: Yes, absolutely. So this is the thing with uh, emerging technology and all of these new terms, because this term can mean so many things. And, you know, as you mentioned, two different kind of things, but both are kind of um, encompassed within this term. And they're both very interesting things to explore uh, in, 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 in our lives, so because it all it affects us all. Now, when you were talking about this uh, this company, and I, I, it's it's fascinating. to know that it's commercially available already. Uh, but I it, uh, straight away I thought about this uh, TV series that I saw. It's called Upload it was a it was a really like interesting uh, science fiction um uh, tv show and i i, th- I think it didn't uh, continue uh, but uh, the first or second no, by season by the way a second season is out
1: uh, i have okay. not watched the second season i've seen this first season but yeah it's yeah. it's a similar concept
0: it is similar concept, but way into the future. But uh, this is this is quite interesting. And audience, yeah, please do check it out if you like it. I think you'll enjoy it if you are kind of tech savvy. Obviously, it's a fictional uh, show, so there are a lot of things that are not actually scientific. But it's a amusing one anyway. So yeah, I mean, coming back from that thought, um, so you know, it, being able to sort of uh be present for your loved ones when you're actually passed in a way that is uh you know digitally stored you know your personality is digitally stored and nowadays with the with with the rise of ai you know uh, you know being trained in so many different ways i mean right now you can ask chat gpt to uh sort of write an article but then you can say say to it that okay this is a good article but write it in the style of shakespeare or you know someone else uh, or or nelson mandela and then it will generate that kind of uh, sort of nuance to that article or an email as if it was written by that particular person. So it can sort of emulate personalities already. And if you, and this is chat GPT, which is kind of generic for all kinds of things, but if you kind of have a focused artificial intelligence uh, sort of solution, which is sort of designed to be able to take on samples and be able to emulate or sort of mimic that personality, it would be a lot more accurate. And nowadays with, All of these digital content and information, even if you didn't make it public, you must have tons and tons of photos, audio content, video content of yourself. So there won't be any lack of data to feed and train this AI module to be able to sort of generate your own personality. So your loved ones wouldn't be able to tell whether it's you or you 2 yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting
1: that you mentioned this, like uh, you have all the photos. So recently, uh, the film Barbie released, and uh, a website popped up called uh, Barbie.me, but the A was replaced by AI. So what you could do is you could upload a photo, uh, and it would create a doll. Uh, of you in one of the Barbie from one of the dolls in the Barbie universe so like Ken is the uh, guy and Barbie is the female version and Ken is the male version so if you upload your picture say just the face um, and then it will put it over a piece of toy and it'll create a digital avatar for you and you can buy the un- uh, the unwatermarked version for about two dollars uh, but oh. the version is free okay so now this is interesting because it uses uh, uh like mid journey um uh, using your photo to create a digital avatar okay and that is there somewhere online i mean i can download it with the watermarked version but it's there somewhere online and it's stored and my digital avatar is now there and imagine now this digital avatar you can use it in a uh, what do you say um uh, this um multi uh, not multiverse this uh, uh uh what is it called uh which uh metaverse metaverse not multiverse well metaverse multiverse both works i think <laughs> so, yeah. so metaverse so you can upload that digital avatar in metaverse and now uh, while you're talking so there are mm-hmm. ai tools available which can record your voice And it creates uh, then samples of uh, audio in your voice on different text that you have not recorded. So it asks you to first record your voice reading a bunch of text. And then using that text, it analyzes your voice sample. And then with that voice sample, it generates additional audio. And that is already being used in films. So you have you have a a strike going on in the film industry, a Screen Mm -hmm. Actors Guild strike, SAG strike that's currently Mm -hmm. happening. And the actors and the writers are protesting and saying that if you use a digital version of our face or our voice in any Mm -hmm. form, then we should be compensated for it.
0: I was this is the first thing. I was going to ask you actually. So um, this is one of the things that as you were speaking, that's the first thing I thought about when you were talking about uploading your avatar to Barbie.me is that who would own that IP of that picture, because this is your picture, but this is also their system. So they also have creative contribution, but at the same time, you, because it's your picture, you uploaded, you should also have some creative contribution to that piece of art, if you'd like uh, to call it that. Um, so how how does it and the, the, the sort of the IP ownership around AI has also been a, quite a hot topic in very recent weeks because even chat GPT OpenAI is being sued For all the material that it's been trained on. So it is is a very uh, interesting topic to to explore. Yeah, definitely. But uh,
1: I think you have to bear in mind that uh, you are willfully uploading a picture. No one is forcing you to upload your picture. So you willfully, of your own free will, you upload a picture. So of course there are permissions and then you say that, okay, fine. And then it's watermarked. So if you want to buy an unwatermarked version, you pay for it. Plus all the tools that is being used are also free. So, the only thing that they are charging is for the service where they are creating the prompt using your image as an input. So, they are charging for that. And that's about $10 per image
0: when you when you agree to the terms and conditions i think they have you have you exactly that exactly that and and i think that's where that's how most of the services
1: work right gmail works like that sorry google works like that facebook works like that in anywhere where you provide your information free of cost actually it's not free of cost you're mm-hmm. you're compensating the companies through data that the advertisers can use uh, to mm-hmm. sell you more
0: And also of. you're kind of giving up your ownership of, of that, yes. uh, whatever it is, whatever they make from it. So even if you pay and get re- remove the watermark, you're thinking because I paid, I should have some sort of IP in that. No. That may not be the case and you might want to so, check uh, that. So another thing
1: of- is that uh, imagine these tools like Mid Stable Diffusion, DALI, whatever. Uh, these are now being trained on... Uh, different ideas and a lot of people are coming with these text prompts and they are generating the images but then a lot of people are using the existing images and modifying it and there are now Instagram profiles where they have celebrities uh, morphed into different digital avatars like say Brad Pitt or say uh, Sean Connery or um, or, or someone uh, in, a, in an avatar that you are not used to uh, watching them say Brad Pitt in a sadhu like a yogi uh, something like that in Nepal. So it's it's very interesting. So those are some of the things that the digital avatar is doing. But I think let's let us go back towards digital immortality. So the idea about the immor- immortality comes from the word itself. So digital means something that's on the internet, uh, something that's in the form that's uh, not real, something that's uh, that you can see it on computers, on a mobile phone, tablets, etc. And immortality comes from um not being mortal anymore so mortal means you are dead immortal immortality means you are not dead so you you never die and the whole idea about this is as 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 a human being now uh i'm limited to the amount of years i can live So maybe I live 80, 90 years, if I push myself, maybe 100, by the time uh, I reach 80 or 90, there might be a medical uh, revolution, and I might live till about 150 years old. So that's, I think, pushing the uh, age limit of human beings. But then what happens after I uh, die? What happens to all the ideas that I have in my head? What happens to the voice? What happens to my face? Um, And I want to see or uh, interact with my grandchildren, etc. So how do I do that? And uh, so technologists, people who are working in this area, are thinking about all these things. First, they are thinking about uh, brain to AI interface. Like how do you connect your brain to something in the digital world? So that's one way. So your brain-machine interface, not brain-AI interface, brain-machine interface. So how do you connect your brain to a machine? And then how do you, uh, using your consciousness without typing, without reciting anything, how, with your just consciousness, how can you send a piece of thought to that machine and that machine can use that to generate something?
0: So this is the other aspect of, of what you can think about digital immortality is. Uh, and... Uh, What comes to mind is Neuralink, Neuralink, uh, that that company that is trying to sort of be that, uh, you know, a communication module between brain and, uh, you know what, this is this, I mean, if I think about this idea, it goes back actually a long time ago. So in like 1999, when I had the first computer and, you know, I was doing all of these things, playing games as a teenager, et cetera. And in my head as i was learning about computing and this whole new world and then after a couple of years i got to know about internet and etc cetera, etc cetera. so that had become a whole new and a different world from the real world And basically, uh, I thought, okay, this is one thing that's in my head, like this is a full world with all of these different things you can do. And then there is real world where I have to go to school and do the exams, et cetera, et cetera. And they're completely separate. There is no connection between them. And then suddenly, and you would not believe the technology I'm going to mention right now that changed everything upside down. Then suddenly I found out about such a thing called scanner. When I knew about scanner, I thought, wow, this is it. This is what the communicate makes the communication between real world and digital world possible because you can you know, write something because that time, I mean, right now we're writing on a paper seems so prehistoric, but that time that was the main thing that you would do. And then I can write something and then suddenly I can bring it into the, the computing world. That was amazing. And then suddenly also slowly, another thing started happening is uh, mobile phones started coming up coming up with data cables so you can connect it to your computer. So you basically can have your uh, sort of actual real pictures, digital pictures of documents and yourself or anything and audio, and then again, bring it to the digital world by connecting. Cause mobile phone was an interface was a very like a, you know, a, a middle point. And that was, how, you know, the first communication between real world and digital world came. And then, I mean, in my head, that's how the technology progression goes in my head, that it was a scanner first, which was just inanimate objects of real world could go to digital world. And then slowly, slowly, the there became more and more cameras, more and more resolution cameras. And then there became 3D cameras, which can... You know, take a 3D object and shape, take it to digital world, and then there was 3D printers which can take digital things and make it a real life thing. So, these communication between these two has always been, uh, you know, a a challenge. Yeah, it's happening. happening and improving and the biggest thing that is in the middle of both of these worlds is our brain yes so that would be the final ultimate uh, communication module between the two worlds and we could sort of do so many things everything that we can do in digital world will be able to sort of have an impact on it on real world and vice versa so that is a very interesting way uh, sort of uh, uh, thing to happen in future hopefully
1: yeah, so I think um, it all comes down to your digital consciousness. So you have a consciousness. I mean, what is what does being alive mean? Is it breathing? Is it, uh, is it uh, like uh, having a head, uh, hands, having legs, having a torso, having a body? Uh, is it uh, uh, seeing someone else? Is it uh, loving someone, having a partner, um, having your offspring? What does it mean to be alive? Or is it just your thoughts in your head? When you look yourself in the mirror, who do you actually see? Do you see a reflection? Can you identify that the person that you're watching is actually you? Because you have never seen your face. You can never physically see your face. The only way you can see your face is by looking into a mirror. So you don't know actually how you look like. You're just seeing a projection of yourself uh, through a medium. So what if we have a digital projection of our consciousness? Uh, so, our, our consciousness is projected into a digital world, and maybe that consciousness survives beyond our body, and that's what digital immor- immortality is trying to talk about. And I know it's it's something that's uh, uh, it's it could be like a hype hyped up topic, but there are certain aspects to it which are already happening. As I mentioned, a deceased person scanned their body. Uh, recorded their uh, audio and then uh, they generated an avatar in their physical form, a digital avatar and that person could then reply back using some of the notes that they have created. And the notes how they create is they train the bot like a digital bot a chat bot kind of a thing where you ask a lot of questions like okay tell me about how you feel tell me about your uh, uh, how how you expe- experiencing pain uh, what do you remember most about me how do you want to be remembered things like that which it's uh and you can have this pre uh, pre-designed questionnaire and then the uh, bot can be trained on it uh, once you reply back and then when the person uh, when your family member comes to interact with this digital avatar because it has already been trained on all this data which are very personal to you which your family member would know then they feel very connected even though that person is dead and that is and that is something that's already happening it's not
0: something that's in the future it's already happening there is a video and i'll post that video this is so interesting to sort of explore because the my first thought is that even, I mean, if, as you mentioned, it is already happening and the loved ones who are interacting with this digital avatar, they must know that this is a digital they version.
1: It. They know
0: it. And whether would it be um, acceptable to them, to everyone. Like, you know, people who are doing it now, they're happy with it, but not everyone else may be happy with it. You know, maybe they have said their goodbyes in in their mind and have closure, and then reviving a real lifelike, responsive uh, sort of uh, idea of that person who they've already sort of uh, uh, made their peace with, that might be very unsettling to to a lot of people. So, that's a controversy. And then uh, the other thing is you could do this without the permission of someone. Say, for example, um, you have a lot of, you know, a lot of influencers have a lot of digital contents uploaded. You could, um, you know, get a lot of content of an influencer and create their avatar without their permission and use it for, you know, God knows how, what purpose, which is, you uh, which, which might be the negative side of it. So um, it, is, it is very controversial, but it's very interesting anyway. And then we also get to ponder about the question, the philosophical question of what is mortal, what is not? Would you sort of consider, what would you consider uh, yourself? How are you alive? And if a second consciousness, which is just like you, um, avatar is not a consciousness. So we, we're not there yet to, to sort of generate or copy consciousness. There is currently no artificially created consciousness, just FYI. But if in future there is someone who can think and want something and also possess emotional qualities, then what would you say that is is that your clone if you're already still if you're still alive then it, then <laughs> who were they and if you're not alive then is that uh digital consciousness you and then what were you instead and those digital consciousness can again also be copied <laughs> ten hundred times so, how, where does the definition of uh, self and consciousness lies in digital world? These are all sort of interesting and thought provoking questions to ponder about on on this arena. Definitely, and I think I think I think I'll,
1: I'll just rewind a bit. Uh, you mentioned about privacy, ethical aspects, and uh, consent, etc. And I think that's uh, where the industry is actually currently struggling with. So there is a lot of content. So that's why the actors. Uh, are going on strike because they know that a lot of films are already there with their faces and their voices. So no one is actually stopping these big media companies to go through that data, use that as a training uh, data and create models that can generate uh, the actors faces and actors voices, even, even when they have not given consent. Right, so that's uh, that's already happening, um, and th- that's why uh, the actors are going on strike. And then, uh, and we can also take the example of ChatGPT. It was trained on data that was uh, not given consent to by a lot of people. Uh, it just went to the internet, and they used it as a training uh, model. And now you have uh, GPT, and that GPT is now being used by everyone uh, without a lot of people's permission. So that's the aspect that people are already. Uh, talking about. Then you also mentioned about um, not all people will be comfortable with their avatars or a digital uh, being once they're dead. And that's true because everyone has a different grieving process. Some grieve and they then let go and then they're okay. But some grieve and they long for that connection they long for that person to be still with them and um, and this is a very unique uh, uh, I mean this company is now in that unique position where they can satisfy that longing because a lot of people they never overcome the loss of a partner of a loved one and this can help them uh, mental, it's, it's like a mental health it's it's a big support for them to be able to cope up with the loss of someone and um, it has huge implications ethical implications you're right Um, uh, but I think the companies that are doing it they have asked permissions and uh, they would ask permissions you pay for it so and when you do a monetary transaction of course you sign a contract so there are legal terms and conditions that can be enforced So I'm guessing that those things are already taken care of. So, yeah, so those are, those are very, very interesting things. um, And uh, people are already thinking about it. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good and exciting world. um, And uh, let's see where it takes us.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, Audience, um, uh, today we didn't actually answer a lot of questions, but probably gave you a lot more questions to think about. But I think that is the fun of uh, sort of uh, uh, listening to a podcast where you don't just get information, but you also get things that would Keep you sort of thinking, uh, you know, the rest of the week until we are back with our next set of uh, thought-provoking uh, uh, podcast episodes. But uh, yeah, this was this was actually good to explore with you, Amit, with all the different sides of this and how to manage this, and also all I would keep thinking about all of these different sort of scenarios where we could be as as just human beings we could be affected how we could be affected and also potentially think about how what we should be aware of in future um a lot of scamming or also is happening by mimicking your uh, sort of biological data so that's another thing to be aware of and um how could we ensure that when we have Passed, that everyone does know that we have actually passed, uh, because that might have another set of implications to to sort of think about. So, it is it is uh, it was very fun and thought provoking to explore this topic and uh, hopefully our audience would have a lot more questions and a lot more things to think about and we look forward for you guys to get in touch ask us more questions or share uh, share with us your views which we can share later in our next episode. So we look forward to do that.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, before I finish, I, I just wanted to cover two more things. One is the digital legacy and digital divide. So we have already spoken about this in our uh, earlier podcast. And the reason I wanted to touch base this in as part of digital immor- immortality is the digital legacy. Like once you die, what happens to all your digital assets? So you need to define it right now in your will, not just about your physical assets, but also about your digital assets your avatars your uh, metaverse uh, assets your cryptocurrencies your uh, financial assets e- everything and maybe even uh, this uh, avatar your voice everything that's ev- 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 that's there on the internet and now th- and then we talk about digital divide not everyone would be able to afford a technology like this So we talked about the digital divide. Like not everyone on the internet is equal because some people have access to fast internet. So they get access to fast uh, information. But a lot of people, they don't have that fast connection. So they don't get access to that information easily. So it means that the digital divide is already being created as we speak. I mean, it's already there, but it will be even more uh, prolonged uh, for people uh, who can't afford a technology like that, even if they want to. So those are two topics that we have already covered and it's interconnected with this uh, topic, digital immortality, which I just wanted to highlight before we end the talk.
0: Yes, absolutely. Those are relevant topics. They also all, uh, you know, uh, ask thought-provoking questions and would make you think. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, definitely, definitely do check them out and uh, would go lot, go well with today's talk that you've just listened to. So um, yeah, looking forward to hearing all of uh, all of you guys' feedback regarding all of these episodes, and uh, we'll be back again uh, next week with our new topic. If you guys want us to cover any particular topics, do do let us know. But uh, other than that, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in, and hope to see you again next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.